Okay, good morning everybody, happy Thursday. Great to be with you again. Welcome back to the boost, great to be, just great to be with you. I hope you feel the same way, I feel that way. We were talking about this concept of the need to be liked. The need to be liked comes from, I think, a very deep place. It comes from the world of social acceptance, which is part of our survival. It's not, we're not being um, childish. I don't like that. I don't like when we judge ourselves for wanting to be liked. It's not fair. Social acceptance is built into who we are. It's part of our survival techniques. We need social acceptance in order to survive in this world. It's, it's how we were raised. We were raised in, in like cohorts of kids that we were forced with. Right? Like, look at how you were raised. If you went to school, for all that good that it does, there's a lot of baggage that you get when you leave school. Just how it works. Depending on the school you go to. And you can have that baggage for a long time. And one of the baggages is that you get stuck with kids that were just born the same time you were born and in the same area you were born with. You don't choose your friends when you're in school. Maybe if your class size is big enough, you could find a niche. But I don't know. It's, it's a forced environment in which kids are pitted against each other. Not on purpose, but they are. They are. What, what do you expect when you take a class and then you take a you take a test and you're in fifth grade? You don't think everyone talks about their test scores? It's it's a competition. When you have to pick a certain kids to play in recess and a certain kids to play on a team and a certain kids to do mock trial or a certain kids to get in this club or that club or this camp or that, what do you think happens? You you live in a world where if you're not socially accepted, you're you're in a lot of pain. You grow up, and your brain, with all its neuroplasticity, gets, at the very least, 17 years, maybe even more, but 17 years. Well, maybe the first few years, you you got the adulation of your parents, but most likely, most people have siblings, too. Now you're stuck in some environment, hopefully that goes well. But it's basically a forced environment of kids that grew up in the geographical area in which your house is and that are between, you know, two years before or two years after you that you were born. That's your world. And if that year you got great kids that were nice, then your experience is one thing. And if that year the kids that grew up in the neighborhood down the block, they got mean kids. And if that ki- that year the kids that grew up in the neighborhood are smarter, it's the, I don't know. We grew up in a world where, like, whether you like it or not, your brain is constantly digesting social acceptance. And by the way, if you were in a, if you were successful in this area, it's a liability when you leave. I'm just letting you know, it's a liability. The kids that go to high school, and by the way, when I say go to high school, you may think not relevant. You could be fifty years old and still your head still got a piece of high school in there. And the reason why some people can can't there seems to never graduate. You know, there's some people that just never graduate high school. They're always back in high school. Because high school is a weird world where you're young enough to be super impressionable but old enough to be more cognitively aware and you're stuck in this world, this microcosm of society where in this little microcosm you have everything you need. 
you're, you have like a social, like it's a little tiny like survivor island called your grade. And if you were successful at whatever level success that means, if and you were in a school where athletics was, was valued and you were an athlete, you were successful. You may have done terrible in school, but you were successful. You were respected. You were valued. If you were in a place where academics or whatever it is that, that was the, the driving force. And some people, it's, it's, it's you know, relative income of their parents. You didn't do anything even. It's not even like you, you it's not even like you practiced, you know, your jump shot for like, you know, every single Sunday your whole life. You just happen to be born to a family where there happens to be a parent that makes money and like in this world because you have that. You're valued. In school it's awesome. Out of school it's a liability. It's a liability. And the reason why it's a liability is because your brain gets used to this. And then when the when the rules change, it's hard to adapt. You see this. Athletes in high school that were incredible and and received tons of adulation and honor and value and walked the halls like they owned the place because they hit a jump shot or uh, you know a slap shot or a touchdown or something. And then they get out to the real world and not even like they're not they're not they're athletes for their neighborhood. They're not athletes for like, you know, the country. And they go to work and they have a life, but like they can never get back to the feeling that they felt when they walked the halls at 16. There's no microcosm of a society that'll give them that much honor and respect. It's a liability. People that are successful. I, I told you this here, the story of uh, life in law in Columbia Law School, right? And I, I, since this, the, I, I told the story where everyone pretended like they didn't study. Remember that? And it, was, it wasn't until my friend who was with me explained it to me that I didn't get it. And he said to me, you have to understand that for every one person in Columbia, but for me and him, they were the smartest kids in their class. We were not. I for sure was not. But if you're in Columbia, most likely you're in the top whatever percentage of your local high school. So you're, you're, you've got like 15 years of like teachers patting you on the back saying you're doing great. I didn't have that. And so now you end up in law school and you're up against other kids that also had the, the top of their class. And you've never in your life experienced not being the smartest. You were the smartest kid in whatever class you're in. Or you were of the smartest kids in whatever class you're in. And now you're in a world where you're not the smartest anymore. So what are you going to do? So you'll figure out a way to protect yourself and pretend you didn't study. So if you didn't study and didn't do well, you didn't study. Because the thought of studying and not doing well would, would ruin your identity. You see, that's what happens. And that's what I'm getting at. Identity. See, when you're younger and you live in a world where you have all this positive reinforcement, you're too little to realize that who you are is not what they compliment. Who you are is much deeper. But you don't know that. You're, you're 12. You're 15. How many times can you hear how good-looking you are without getting into your head that that's who you are? How many times can you hear how smart you are until you think that's who you are? Right? That's what happens. And then it continues for many people afterwards, but 
you start to form everyone's opinion of you and you start thinking that it's you and that can continue for a very long time let me tell you for a very long time there are I believe lots of I think everybody has this everybody that's by the way why the kid, a lot of times when you see like the kids who are like the least likely to succeed blah 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 and then they're more successful in high school after high school a lot of reasons it's because of this because they didn't form that identity they were open they didn't they didn't rely on good they had no choice but failure or great and some of them failed and some of them were great identity you could be 40 years old hanging on to that same identity of being the smartest one in the room or the richest or the best dressed or whatever or the kindest never have that You're, you've turned yourself into what we say in Yiddish a shmata in English that's a rag a doormat because your identity is always being so nice so people just roll over you you have no backbone because you're scared to not be nice if someone doesn't think you're nice, you're going to collapse because that's who you are. Does this sound familiar? We form identities when we're young, and then as we get older, we form them or reform them, whatever they are. And then we try to maintain them for a long time. You see people that have achieved incredible wealth and success, and they go through very hard times afterwards when that goes away. Now, for those of you who are a professional athlete, it gets a lot harder, right? Because you didn't play in high school. You played in college, and that's a hundred times bigger. Or you played in the professional league, and that's a thousand times bigger. And then one day you woke up, and you were just too old, and nobody cares. That's depressing. This happens sometimes to people that have achieved incredible wealth. They were the man. They ran the, the town, and then there's a, a tough crisis. That's their identity. Or they were professionals. They were the doctor. They were the lawyer. They were the clergy, and then they stopped, or they couldn't do it any longer. Identity. As long as your identity is tied to something in this world, you're at risk. You're at risk. And you know what you're at risk for? You're at risk of doing things to get someone to like you. I'm just as guilty as everybody else. No one should think that, like, I got this. But let's just call it out together. Let's just call it out together and stop pretending. When your identity is something, when people compliment you for something, when people give you the positive reinforcements for something, you're at risk for thinking that's who you are. And if that's who you are in your head, you need more compliments to maintain who you are. And that's when you start doing things that are good but not great. You start saying yes to things that are not good for you because you got to maintain your identity. Here's the secret. You are nothing that can be contained in this world. You may have things that people can compliment, but who you are is a piece of God that can always change, that can always adapt, that is in no way going to belittle itself to being something physical when we identify with that which is a lifelong journey everything changes
Here's some homework for the weekend. Just listen to the voice that tells you who who you are. See if you can figure out who you are, who you think you are. At least if you figured it out, you'll be able to at least see it happening. You can't beat it if you can't see it. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. With God's help, I cannot wait to see you again next week. Have a great weekend. Living on a lifeline, the world doesn't ever seem to change. Looking for the sunshine, but you're caught up in the rain. It's like your eyes are wide open, but you cannot see. You're watching life pass you by like one, two, three. Walking in destruction, the winds of life blur your vision. All the devastation forever feels like you're on the run. It's time. No one else can set you free, you're locked inside, and only you have got the key.